Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What an incredible presence of the Lord we can feel here today. I'm so excited for each and every person that's in the house of God. And I'm so excited that He's here in the midst of us. Amen. Whatever you need today, there's a God that has the answer. There's a God that's able. You're not going to find it in the song. You're not going to find it in the sermon per se. But somewhere in the middle of the room is a God that you can reach out and touch. He has the ability to heal. He has the ability to deliver. He has the ability to change your mind and your heart and your situation and your marriage. He can do anything and everything today. Would somebody lift up the name of Jesus right now? You're awesome, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God is so good. Amen. I'm so excited for what I feel here today. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord this Sunday. Amen. If you're here for the very first time, we especially want to welcome you. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us. Can we give them all a hand clap of praise? Uh, the Lord, every guest, every visitor, every person here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we praise you for being in church. You could be a lot of other places, but thank you for being in church today. Amen. I'm going to turn the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 real quickly. If um, you'd like to remain standing, you can for a moment here. But I'm just going to read one simple text. And I want to speak to you on the subject of what if we had no reservations turn to somebody next to you say what if we had no reservations amen every now and then I'll go to a hotel and they'll say you have no reservations <laughs> amen what if we had no reservations amen now I do want to introduce you to make sure you know two folks up here that was playing keys would you wave and say hi Amen. This is our pastor's wife, and over here on the front is our pastor. Would you give us a wave? Hey, if you are here for the first time, make sure that you shake hands with and meet these two wonderful folks. Amen. You need a great pastor in your life. That is like one of the keys to success, I'm telling you. Make sure you meet these fine folks before you take off today. And after the service... Uh, we, we don't don't just jump straight back in your car and take off. We got all kinds of fun that's going to go down. So stick around for a bit. I believe we go downstairs, right, Pastor? Yeah, we go downstairs, and there are going to be food and all kinds of, of things. So, so stick around for that. Amen. Book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And the Bible says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repent, be baptized, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's three things there. Repent and be baptized, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So I just want to make real clear, up here on your right, my left, we have a baptismal tank. Everybody say baptismal tank. Now the reason that we have a baptismal tank is exactly what we just read. The Bible says 
When you are baptized in the name of Jesus, it is for the remission of your sins. Literally everything you've ever done, every thought you've ever had, every place you've ever been, everything you've ever said is remitted in the name of Jesus. Why would you want to walk out carrying all that sin and shame? My friend, I want to tell you, if you'll get baptized today God will remit it all there's no better day to get baptized than today somebody say amen We've got the robes you can wear. Your clothes won't even get wet. We've got towels for you to towel off and you get changed back into your clothes. But I'm telling you, there would be no better choice you could make than getting baptized today. Why? The song won't save you, but the name of Jesus can. Amen. Get baptized. Come on, somebody. Get baptized today. There's nothing like it in all the world. I remember when I got baptized, I'm already a a tiny little light guy. But I'll tell you what, coming out of that water, you feel lighter than you went in. Because you come up, you will not carry the weight of that sin. I don't understand why anybody would want to wait. Why anybody would say next week, next month, next year. No, no, no. My friend, if that water really does what the book says it does, I want it now. Somebody say now. Now, now, I want it now. Amen. We've been in so many services. We've seen people that came in. They didn't know. They didn't know anything about church. Some of them never been in church service before. And and those people, man, I love them because they don't know that there might be a rhyme or reason or an order or schedule. They come in and they just stand up and say, "Well, now can I do it? Now I've had people before we've even got into the preaching. Right when we're at this spot, they just say, "Well, can I do it now? What you think? Of course you can do it now. Now me." now that is the most important thing that can happen today if you want to do it in the songs do it in a song if you want to do it in the preaching do it in the preaching there's power in baptism amen Amen. Would you put your Bibles down and lift your hands today? Jesus, we love you. I don't have a clue what's in this place today. I don't know who needs deliverance. I don't know who needs a miracle. I don't know who needs a Holy Ghost. I don't know who needs to be baptized, but you do. And I pray today that your perfect will would be done. By the power of the name of Jesus, let your perfect will be done today in Jesus' mighty name and everybody said amen. Amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? Thank you Lord. Amen. You may be seated today. Thank you again for being in the house of the Lord. I'm so thankful for every person that's here and what I feel here today. Amen. So I ask you again, what if we had no reservations? No reservations. And again, we can use that word maybe some different ways, but today I'm not talking about the hotel per se. We could exchange it perhaps with some of its synonyms. What if we had no hesitations? What if we had no areas of restraint? What if we had no walls? What if we had no barriers? What if we had no limitations? What if we had absolutely no reservations? Let me show you the problem of a reservation. It's found in the book of Acts chapter 26. 
Look at Acts chapter 26, and I'm going to jump in in verse 26. Paul, everybody say Paul. Paul was a masterful preacher. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. He wrote many, many books in your modern Bible today. He was eloquent. He spoke to the religious Jew just as he would the Gentile, the Greek. And as he would travel the Romans, as he would travel country to country, went to Asia, all of these. It was almost as though there was no population group Paul could not speak to. And Paul's general tone was so unoffensive. He didn't get into a direct debate, perhaps. Paul simply told his story. And Paul's story is incredibly moving. He details his conversion experience. He details the miracles that he has witnessed firsthand he details how Jesus was more than a man, more than a teacher, more than a rabbi, but God manifests in the flesh. Well, in Acts 26, it is no exception. Paul, this time, has an audience of royalty. He stands before kings and rulers. And as he concludes his message this day, this is what it says in Acts 26 and 26. He zeroes in on his audience. A great room I can picture of those that are hearing him. But as he comes to the close, he zeroes on one man. And he says, for the king knows these things. Before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. And then he calls him by name, King Agrippa. Do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe as he went along during the discourse, he saw it in his eyes. You resonate with what I say. You know the word of God enough to know this to be true. And then that king answered back to Paul. Almost. Somebody say that. Almost. You persuaded me to be a Christian. Almost. You persuaded me to be a Christian. You see, King Agrippa answered back to him. He could not deny that the argument Paul made, that the preacher made, was a strong one. He could not deny the evidence of the miraculous in his account. So what is included in that loaded word almost is the embodiment of his hesitation. What is included is he's saying, I have been quite persuaded, but not fully persuaded there is something negative lurking behind the almost it is a no to be close to yes but a no for today I don't know why perhaps it was the pride of the king perhaps it was the unwillingness to fully submit to God perhaps he didn't want to be changed perhaps a hidden sin we could not see perhaps an addiction but Nevertheless, like thousand others, he was felt the goosebumps, but he stopped just short of being converted himself. He refused to allow the full conviction of the heart and the full conversion of Christ. He is the type that I have met so many times before that can always give me a reason why not 
today. They'll agree in theory with what is said. They'll agree in theory with the word of God. But they'll simply say, not for me today. Not right now. And they stop just short of decision. It is, like I said, the essence, the embodiment of hesitation. Agrippa was not far in his mind from God. But he would leave entirely unchanged in his heart. I wonder how many people miss out on their blessing. Miss out on their miracle. And perhaps even miss out on salvation. Because of ten inches. Somebody say ten inches. Ten inches from their brains to their heart. He said Paul. Almost you persuaded me. Oh, it's here. I agree. There's a God. Christ died on the cross. I agree. But not enough that I'm fully persuaded here. That I'm willing to do something about what I know and believe. That I'm willing to change today. That I'm willing to be baptized today. That I'm willing to pray today. I can't tell you how many services I've been in. And there's such a perplexing paradox that can be observed. There is a group which is there with tears running down their face. Hands lifted. Jumping and dancing and singing and shouting. There seems to be a group that cannot be persuaded it even any further they will simply do anything and everything to touch God yet in the same service is a group with arms crossed sitting in their chair unmovable like a stone oh let me be found amongst them that are fully persuaded for Christ I think Agrippa mounted to a place that he had to abrupt Paul with a statement. He didn't have to say a word. He could have let Paul go marching right along. He could have let the preacher continue to try and persuade him and draw him and sway him and move him. But at some point, the audience reached a junction where they were at a decision point, a moment of tipping where they would have to either comply or reject. And so Agrippa let out that Beautiful sentence, so crafty and articulate. You have almost persuaded me to be a Christian. It relieves him so articulately of all of the mounting pressure that he felt from the preacher that day. He's saying, in essence, you almost did it. You almost did got me but you're done now and I've reached the limit of my faith so I conclude perhaps not no but not today somebody say that not today not today preacher will I make my way over to baptism not today will I lay down the cigarettes not today will I change my life not today will I take up the banner of Christianity not today will I worship as you do and preach the God that you do no not forever but not today why is it that people can be persuaded to go so far in the Christian life 
but they land at almost persuaded and not altogether persuaded. In Luke 18 and 18, Jesus encountered a very similar thing to what Paul did. In Luke 18 and 18, a certain ruler came to Jesus and he said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? It is like a perfect question. If you come to church, I'm telling you, no better question in the world could be asked than what must I do to be saved. We would answer back to you that just like Peter did. You need to repent, you need to be baptized, and you need to let God fill you with the Holy Ghost. Jesus said in John 3 and 5 except you're born of the water and of the spirit you cannot enter into the kingdom of God what a beautiful moment it is when somebody comes to God and says Lord whatever you want me to do I'll do it but man in this story in Luke 18 there was a weird answer that came up out of Jesus and it's one that you won't see anywhere else in the whole Bible to just this man He first tests his knowledge. He says, okay, you want to be saved? Who am I? Nobody's good except God. Do you know who I am? And what have I already told you to do? You know the commandments. And he begins to reiterate nine of the ten commandments. Don't commit adultery, kill, steal, bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and on and on and on. So he says, okay, if you're the real deal, who am I? And if you know me, what have I already asked you to do? And that man answers back and he said, Jesus, I've done it. I've done it all. I haven't stole anything. I've honored my parents. I haven't borne false witness. I haven't on and on and on. I haven't killed and committed adultery and all this. I've kept from my youth up. In the verse 22, when Jesus heard this, Jesus told him something again that you're never going to find anywhere else. He said, you lack one thing. Everybody hold your ones up. You lack one thing. Sell all you have and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful for he was rich and he turned and walked away from Jesus. I only bring the story up. We don't want anybody's money. I'm not after your money. I'm not, we're not taking no other offering. That's not what it's about. Why? You know what's interesting here is why I think this happened is because... Though Jesus would never ask anybody for this. He only asked it for him. It was because it was the one hesitation that he would not give to God. Here's what I'm saying. Your money becomes a problem when it's the one thing you won't give to God. Your car becomes a problem if it's the one thing you won't give to God. Your worship becomes a problem if it's the one thing you won't give to God. Dare I say, baptism becomes the problem if it's the one thing you won't do for God so Jesus says if you want to be saved we've got to address the hesitation we've got to address the hesitation you know I don't know what the area of my heart is that's held out to God but before I leave this place today I want him to reign and rule it all. Somebody say amen. Reign and rule it all. Anything I need to change, I want it changed before I leave. Anything unsubmitted to him, I want to give it to him before I leave. Any new way I need to talk, I need to think, I need to act, I need to do, let it be done before I leave this place today. Amen. 
Jesus never asked this of anybody else. Money wasn't the problem. The reservation was. There should be nothing to which our answer is no. No reserved area that is relegated in our heart, our soul, our life, our mind, our speech, in what we have and what we wear and how we think. I don't care. There should be no relegated area that's roped off saying, God, you can come in and you can explore all of my home and all of my character and all of my mind except for what is within the areas of the ropes. This is on reservation. You can come this far but no further. I have a hidden area of my heart and life that you're not allowed to change that you're not allowed to touch and that I will never do oh my friend what power there would be if we could get beyond the reservations let me tell you what it does and this is why earlier we read from Acts 2.38 it started the process with asking us to repent everybody say repent repent it asks us to repent first that word repent means to be or to say sorry It is to express a moment of remorse for how we've lived. And it's to give it all to Him. We have to start our Christian walk with getting rid of the reservations. You know, I I heard this once recently. I've loved it so much. I'll try and retell it here and there. But I, I heard this allegory to likening when you have a guest come over to your house. I don't know how you do. But I'm going to tell you exactly how we do. If you are to come over to our house, we have got three kids, which um, are like Tasmanian devils. They're very similar to the uh, Warner Brothers cartoon that I grew up watching, right? And they're just perpetual mess and coloring on the wall and towels in the refrigerator and all of that sort of stuff, you know? And so if you give me only four 10, 12, 24 hours probably still. I am really not able to clean the house like I ought to clean the house. And so I will make room for a temporary guest. How you prepare for a temporary guest is you gather up the mess and you put it in reserved areas of the home. You put it behind a door and there's an unspoken rule that you cannot come in and open a closed door in my house. If you do, French fries and basketballs are going to fall down on you like rain. I mean, we're going to tuck it into every corner, every cupboard, into the dishwasher. There will be dirty sneakers. We will hide the mess rather than deal with it because we're short on time. And you'll come into the common areas, the public areas of the house and be so impressed at how spotless it is despite that we've got all these children running around. But you know what it achieves? It only makes place for a temporary guest. The depth of Christianity most people have only accommodates for a temporary Christ. They want to drive their car and hear that cute little song on the radio that gives them goosebumps. And the second they shut their car back off, they resume being the same person they were, the same practices they had, the same lifestyle. They were by God, but not changed by God. They still have areas of the heart, areas of the mind, areas of the soul that are off limits to Him. And when God comes in during a short church service for a span of one or two hours, they know know how to entertain him in the living room. They know how to have a superficial relationship with him. God, you can come this far, but don't open that door. 
But there's another type of Christian. The other type of Christian prepares for a long-term guest. You know, in our last house, I don't know that we ever owned the house without someone living in the home that we opened up the home to. A guest room or uh, we had this mother-in-law suite. There was always someone living in our home. Now, a long-term guest is different than a short-term guest. A long-term guest is going to use the dishwasher I use so I can't hide things in it. A long-term guest is going to open the refrigerator. I can't keep it unclean in the refrigerator. A long-term guest is going to use the same laundry machines. I can't let it pile up. And a long-term guest has access to every cupboard and every room and every cranny of the whole house, right? What am I saying? If Jesus is to ever come into your life, not just for a moment, not just for a goosebump, not just for a song, not just for a Sunday, but he is to live there and dwell there. You've got to reach the place where you drop the reservations, where you say, God, all of me is yours. Change what you want to change. Do what you want to do. You let every wall fall in your heart. You let every wall fall in your mind. If he wants you baptized, you get baptized. If he wants you to get the Holy Ghost, you get the Holy Ghost. There's got to be a moment that the reservations fall. What would happen if we truly had no, somebody say no, no reservations. Yeah, one time, I, can't, I don't have time to tell you the whole story. And it was so sad to me. I don't have time to tell you the whole story. But somebody was in this grievous situation. And he told me how he prayed. I've never heard anybody pray this particular way. And he said, he was retelling me the prayer. And his, he had a very dire situation. And as he prayed, he said, God, you know my limitations. And if you do not do this for me, I cannot serve you any further. And he said when he was done praying that prayer, God worked that miracle out for him. But when that happened, and he said, and, and that worked his mir that miracle out for him, he went on to tell me a story. And he said, you know, I just don't know. This is now unrelated. He said, I just don't understand why I haven't made it any further with God since I prayed that prayer that day. And I said, man, there's a correlation. I'm thinking there's a correlation between the two. You can't say, God, I want you only to this measure, only to this far, only this much. I tell you what, he is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. But what would happen if there was a people today that didn't care what area God wanted to explore? They would give it to him. If God God wanted money, it's his. If he wanted time, it's his. If he wanted worship, it's his. If he wants baptism, it's done. Come on, somebody, no reservations. What power could there be? And what depth could God take us to? What could we encounter and what joy could we know if we would finally lay down every last reservation? The worry is if we don't, like Agrippa, we may find ourselves saying, God, you almost persuaded me. Let those words never leave my mouth. You know, some things are not supposed to have an almost. They're one or the other, black or white. Somebody say amen. 
Let me give you an example. Have you ever been to some, some of the ladies in the room will know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been to Walgreens or CVS or Walmart and you bought one of those over-the-counter pregnancy strips? Could you imagine how weird it would be if you went to use one of those pregnancy strips and, it, and it's supposed to tell you pregnant or not and you picked it up and looked at it and it said almost, <laughs> partly, perhaps. You say, that really did not achieve what I needed that to tell me today. You know, there's no such thing as almost pregnant. You're pregnant or you're not. You know, that's the beauty of taking an x-ray. There's no such thing as like almost broken or perhaps broken. Like it is broken or it's not. I mean, the bone is straight or it's crooked. There are things about God that aren't really in the almost domain. What do you call somebody that's almost healed? You call them sick. What do you call somebody almost delivered? You call them bound. What do you call somebody almost free? You call them addicted. What do you call somebody almost saved you call them lost and so what do you call an almost Christian not Christian at all I want to be finally and fully persuaded now that is something not almost but all in all in in my worship all in in my passion all in in my dedication all in in my urgency all in in my response I want to be found here in 5 years 10 years 20 years I'm talking all in not just me my children and their children my neighborhood my co-workers my come on all in The funny thing is there's a power dynamic going on between Paul who is in chains bound as a prisoner because of his faith and this great man sitting up on a throne in his regal apparel from crowned robes down to his, I'm sure, gold-plated sandals, the early Jordans. And there's this power dynamic between Agrippa and Paul. And in that one moment, it may have looked a little better, been a little more comfortable to have had some reservations. But when it's all said and done, nobody reads any of the books that Agrippa wrote. Nobody followed Agrippa and the churches that he started. Yet there was a Paul, a lone, unimpressive man standing. Standing in shackles and, ro- and, and, and robes that had been torn, who had been through shipwreck and distress, bitten by vipers, that lone Paul would be one of the greatest figures in all of history. Because he got beyond his reservations, fully persuaded. You know, I was reading Paul's conversion account in Acts chapter 9. Paul's conversion account shows you how little reservation he had. When Paul was in his moment of approaching Christ, he got a lone knock on the door in Acts 9 and verse 17. And as he opens the door, there's a man there named Ananias who he has never met before. Ananias addresses him briefly, puts his hand to pray for him. And Paul, when he was a bad dude, let him pray for him. And as he prayed for him, instantly his eyes were healed. He was baptized. 
baptized. God filled him with the Holy Spirit. He began to speak in tongues and immediately by verse 20, he went out to preach the gospel. Paul wants your faith to look like his faith. Why not get rid of the reservations and let God heal you? Why not get rid of the reservations and get baptized? Why not get rid of the reservations let him fill you? Come on. God could do great things with a Paul that gets beyond the reservations. Paul would see what Agrippa never did. Paul would see the lame walk. Paul would see the deaf hear. Paul would see the blind see again. The sick be healed. Miracles happen. He would baptize thousands. He would see them filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues. I would rather be on Paul's side than Agrippa's side. So today I would ask you what would happen if you got beyond your reservations. Might God do something great with you as he did with Paul might the story of your life be filled with divine encounters moments that God healed you and touched you and spoke to you filled you and moved through you there's nothing like getting beyond that last one thing somebody say amen Amen. Paul's invitation then was really just an extension of God's to Agrippa Agrippa, why not be like I am? And that is to say, why not be without hesitation? Why not be without a limitation to your faith? Why not be without a wall? Why not be without a barrier? Why not be without any area of unsubmission? Why not give it all? I tell you what, for me, I refuse to be almost baptized. I refuse to be almost spirit-filled. I refuse to be almost changed. I refuse to be almost faithful. I refuse to be almost a worshiper. And I refuse to be almost saved. I'm all in, my friends. I'm all in, my friends. I love in Scripture when they would run into somebody. It didn't always happen this way. They ran into some hard-hearted people. But I love in Scripture when they would run into somebody that had the same spirit they did. They just wanted more of God. In Acts 8, and it's, uh, it starts in verse 30 and, and reads down. And we talked about this a little on Wednesday night. Uh, but in, in, in Acts 8... Uh, there's such an interesting story because there's a man sitting in a chariot. He's reading the Bible. A preacher runs up to the chariot and he says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how could I except somebody guides me? On the first day he ever met a preacher, they sit together with the Bible open and in a matter of minutes, he looks out of the water and he says, if what you're telling me is true, there is water right there. What would stop me? from getting baptized and the preacher said if you believe you may and he said stop the chariot and they went down and he baptized him right there on the very first day he ever heard the name of Jesus I love when somebody doesn't hesitate when somebody doesn't say oh next month next year no 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 if what you're saying is true and that water does what you say it does let me do it right now I love stories like that in Acts 16 there's another crazy story man two preachers Paul and Silas are in jail not a 
perfect way to start a story, but they're in jail. And as they're in jail, they're handcuffs. I could just see them cuffed by the wrist and the ankle tied to the ground. And the Bible says at midnight, I, I don't know if they got bored or what, but at midnight they just started to sing praise and begin to worship in the middle of the jail. Well, something happens when the people of God worship. You know this is true. And so as they began to worship, there was an earthquake so great it busted the doors off their hinges and the shackles fell off of them and every other prisoner. My goodness, I'm thankful. To, hey, I'll tell you what, the people without reservations have a God that'll show up without reservations. Even at midnight, even in a jail, even outnumbered, even locked up, God's on your side. As it all falls off their wrists and ankles and the doors are wide open, man, the jailer thought, I'm going to get in so much trouble for this breakout, I might as well just kill myself. And that jailer, it says, pulled his sword out and went to kill himself with the sword. Man, that's a dramatic night in jail. And as he goes to kill himself with the sword, the preachers stop him, yell out, stop. We're all still here. I love this about Christians, man. We're more invested in you than saving our own skin. They could have marched right out of that jail. Hey, in fact, it'd be pretty tempting. You know what I'm saying? You on trial for a crime that you didn't really commit and the door busts wide open. I'm probably going to run up out of there. But hey, that preacher stood there. And he said, man, this is somebody that needs what I've got. And he said, don't you dare do that. We are all right here. Instead, they went with the jailer to his house. They talked about Jesus. And this jailer who previously locked them up in shackles all of a sudden dropped his hesitations. And they baptized the jailer in the middle of the night, him and all of his family. Oh, I'm thankful for Men and women that can get beyond reservation, get beyond hesitation, get beyond a power dynamic, get beyond their worry, get beyond their anxiety, and just say, God, whatever you have for me, I want it and I want it now. Acts 19, Paul did again. Acts 19, it was saying, Paul, Paul, at this point. Man, he was so excited about getting people what he had got that he would just travel around. Said he traveled through the upper coast. He came to Ephesus. He ran into disciples. And he would say to them, have you received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, since you believed? And he runs into this group in Acts 19. He's, man, have you gotten the Holy Ghost? Have you gotten the Holy Ghost? Have you got? And this group says, we have no idea what is this. Holy Spirit thing you're talking about. And he's like, man, well, if you haven't got the Holy Spirit, how were you baptized? It turns out, not only had they never received the Spirit, but they were never baptized the right way. They had been baptized the wrong way. And so Paul must have represented it to them and said like Peter did, listen guys, you can repent, you can get baptized in the name of Jesus, and God will fill you with the gift of His Spirit. What would would stop you from doing that right now and that group let Paul rebaptize them right then and he prayed for them and they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit what a beautiful moment that only came because that group had no reservations no hesitations 
You know, in all of these stories, I play it back in my mind and say, where could this have went wrong? This could have went wrong if uh, this could have went wrong if the man in the chariot said, well. Um, I appreciate you showing me about baptism. However, this is the first time I've heard about it. Let me take some time to continue to think about it and continue to study it and understand its idiosyncrasies, understand what it is about the water that in specific will forgive me, understand what it is about the name of Jesus, the volume and the decibels by which it needs to be pronounced before I will acquiesce to your request. And I will be baptized And then we would have an entirely different story Imagine if the jailer that night Who pulled his sword out Would have said Well boys I appreciate that you're here today But you simply do not understand The dynamic of my employer And when news of this breakout reaches them I will be killed So I would rather be killed by my sword Not their sword And while I appreciate your invitation To hear about Jesus The answer for today is no The story would have ended differently and in Acts 19 it being approached by Paul they would have said Paul we already know about Jesus we already believe in him certainly we don't need to be baptized certainly we don't need the Holy Ghost the story would have ended differently but God's church has been paved by great men and women that just wanted more of him it was the context of every Every miracle, every monumental revival, they just wanted him. No reservations, no hesitations, just give me more of God. Amen. If you stand together with me today, amen. What would happen if we had no, absolutely no reservations? So if you read the book of Acts, which is the book... Um, That details the history of the church. It finishes with this word in Greek. Now I will attempt to pronounce a lot of words in Greek. But this one is very long. And so it will almost certainly be incorrect if I say it. Okay. Uh, I see it written here. But you know I I can write and read Greek better than I can say it. My mouth not going to have this work out. So I'm not going to attempt to pronounce it. But as I click on this word. You have all these Bible dictionaries tell you what it means. The last word of the book of Acts means it didn't close it out with an amen. Now we're done. God doesn't move anymore. It literally means not hindered, not prevented, not limited, or you could accurately translate it, no reservations. From here, no reservations. God's church is going to be defined as an unrestricted church. We move forward. God heals. We worship. There is nothing off limits to him. It is the realm of an unrestricted Christ where he moves from a mental construct into a tangible experience where God does fill, where he does forgive, where he can. Come on, somebody, deliver, where victory occurs. I want to show you Mark 16 and 15. I'll close with this text. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs 
shall, somebody say shall, shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents. If they drink deadly things, it's not going to hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Everybody say a bunch of crazy stuff. I'm telling you, in God's church, there's going to be a bunch of crazy stuff. Some that need healing, get healed. Some that need to be filled, get filled. Some that need to be delivered, will be delivered. Some that need protection, get protection. I don't know who you are or how you came or what you need, but I'm talking about an unrestricted Christ breaking into your heart, into your mind, into your life, and into the church. I'm talking about miracles signs and wonders it starts where our reservations end so today let's end the reservations you know one time I had this discussion with somebody and I said I would want it to be true of me that if you put me under heaven's polygraph better than man's heaven's polygraph you could ask one after another thing and I would say to God yes it's yours yes it's yours yes it's yours and it would be found true that there was no area of my mind my heart my finances my worship not one area of my family my marriage any of it that wasn't fully and finally his. I wish I could be found totally submitted that I'm just His and I want Him without reservation. Now here's the beauty of the thing. You can walk in with reservations and lay them down and leave without them. That step of repentance, which I'm going to guide you in in one second here, that step of repentance is where you let those last walls and those last barriers crumble and there is a power that begins to happen a dynamic that begins to shift in you where you get off the throne of your heart and God becomes enthroned over you you get out of the driver's seat of your life and relinquish control to Christ there is power that begins to happen at repentance I think it would be appropriate today if we could put Acts 2.38 back up there if we started by repenting somebody say repent so I'm going to give you just a real quick nutshell of how this works. If I've done wrong in anything to my wife, at some point, the highest value reconciliation comes by saying sorry. And if I'm unwilling to say sorry, it should be quite surprising to me if full reconciliation takes place. But when I say I'm sorry, and if I mean it, she knows me well enough to know if I mean it. But if I say I'm sorry and I mean it, that opens a door that something can begin to change. So here, watch, watch this. No matter how you've come in, if you've served God for 30 years and you've said, God, you can change everything except that. I will never I can never, I don't want to hear it. All of the, God is willing to forgive all the reservations 
if in one moment you would simply say, God, I'm sorry. And in a moment we're going to get ready to sing and to shout and miracles are going to take place. But it's only going to happen when we release those last reservations. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's going to be very simple. And if you're in this place today for the first time, you've never prayed out loud. I want to encourage you to pray literally out loud with me. If you don't want to put it in your own words, you can copy what I'm saying. But I want you to mean it. And I want you to ask God to let every reservation fall today. And something is going to happen for you. I believe that. So could we do this? From the front to the back, from the left to the right, could everybody close their eyes and bow their heads? And I want you to hear how I pray. If you're comfortable, put it in your own words. If you don't know what to say, just follow along with me. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for everything I've ever done. That was not like you. I'm sorry for everything I've ever thought. That was not like you. Every place I've ever been and everything I've ever engaged in. Lord, from this moment on, I just want you. I give you everything from how I talk to how I look to how I think. Every dollar I have, every bit of my heart and my soul. I give you my every hope, my every dream, my every ambition. Lord, I just want you. I just want you. Come on, somebody, pray like that for just another few seconds. God, there's no area of reservation. I'm not trying to guard my image. I'm not trying to guard my pride. However you'd have me worship, I'll worship. Whatever you'd have me do, I'll do. If I'd never been baptized the right way in the name of Jesus, old enough to believe, I'm going to do it today. If I'd never received the Holy Ghost, I'm going to receive it today. If I need a miracle, I'm going to get it today. No reservation. Nothing off limits. I'll change what I need to change. I'll break what I need to break. Today is the day everything is finally given to you I hold nothing back God let me be made more like you help me love what you love help me hate what you hate forgive me and change me today oh in the name of Jesus let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise come on he's in this place today Amen. Now, if you would help me, I want to tell you this. This is a cool thing about God. He's got awesome hearing. Somebody say awesome hearing. If you said out loud, God, I'm sorry. Let me hear you say that one more time. He heard you. And you don't need to continue repenting. We can move on to worship. And as we worship God right now, something is going to happen. Because when those walls fell, it was as though you cleaned the house. You're ready now, not for a temporary God, not just for a few goosebumps. You're ready for God to come into your life, to live in you, to dwell in you, to change you from the inside out. You're ready for a miracle, a breakthrough. Something is about to happen because...
because you prayed that prayer. I believe that.